Hello and welcome, Blue Jay fans, to episode 45 of Section 138, Blue Jay podcast for everything Blue Jays. I'm Mark Cauley, and as always, I am joined by Bryson. How are you, Bryson? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I I am appreciating uh, the Blue Jays even more now that the Raptors are done. And, uh, I, I mean, it was just great to see the whole city rally around them. And, obviously, I'm not a basketball fan. We've talked about this on this podcast before. But, um, you know, it was just great to see uh, the city react in such a way that was just totally awesome and great to see everyone come together in that way. Um, today on the podcast, we'll be talking about Eric Sogard. He's tearing it up, um, surprisingly, in the majors with the Blue Jays. We'll also discuss uh, the news that just broke yesterday. We're recording this on Friday. Uh, we'll be talking about Montreal possibly getting half a baseball team. The news that uh, the Tampa Bay Rays are exploring options to split time between St. Petersburg, where they play now, and Montreal. And then we'll also just talk about, you know, the past week of games. It seems like the Blue Jays are picking up their quality of play and uh, getting to a point where they can actually, you know, have good players on the team. And the rookies seem to be, you know, uh, getting better and more acclimated to the majors. So just starting off, I, I guess Eric Sogard is a good place to start. Um, to kind of set the scene, the Blue Jays signed him as a minor league signing in December of 2018, so just before the new year. And, you know, looking back at his performance in previous years, he hit 134 in 55 games uh, with the Milwaukee Brewers in 2018. And, you know, his OBP was still only 241. And, you know, previously he had 584 major league games under his belt so um to have him you know perform that way in the majors and then go in the minors and only hit 240 after all that time in the majors it was pretty bad so the blue jays come along they they sign him while he's down and he comes into spring training he's not remarkable in spring training um but the blue jays call him up partway through the season they call him up on april 15th and in his first game he had three hits and then over the next 10 games he collected 17 hits and five walks and at that point he was hitting 415 with an on-base percentage of 478 over only 47 plate appearances so you know he has cooled down since then, but by and large, we are seeing an Eric Sogard that we have never seen in the majors before. He is um, hitting everything that comes at him, and uh, now he is, as of today, as we're recording this, he's hitting 303 with a 371 on base percentage. And just for some context, 303 as a batting average, he doesn't quite have the same amount of at-bats as um, some other players do. He's at exactly 200 plate appearances, 175 at-bats. But just ranking it in terms of all the other players in the majors, if um, he ranks, he ties for 18th overall in batting average. And that's one spot above Mike Trout. So he's hitting better than Mike Trout in um, about uh, 75 fewer at-bats, but, you know, just putting it into context that way, it's crazy how well he's been doing and how much of a surprise it was for the Blue Jays. Yeah, you pretty much nailed it right there. He's been on fire since he was called up um, in mid-April, I believe, and yeah, like you said, uh, in June, I'm just looking at his numbers as well, uh, he's hitting over 370 in the month of June, and with 12 runs, three home runs, and six RBIs. So I guess the more Eric Sogard plays like this, you know, shows that he's been consistent all season. Uh, I guess there's a chance, too, that he could be a possible, you know, or eventually move into a possible trade chip to see if 
or what the Jays can get for him. You know, he's been con- uh, contributing all throughout the lineup. If he's hitting leadoff, if he's, you know, uh, hitting lower in the order, even in the middle of the order, he just seems to have produced um, no matter what. And his defensive game hasn't been, no one's been complaining about that either. You know, again, he's been a complete player this season and his numbers have pretty much skyrocketed compared to his career numbers. His only closest season to where he had numbers, or I should say really good numbers, would be in 2017, but he only played in 94 games. So I guess he is on that track, but like you said, he's been, you know, this is by far the best season of his career so far. Um, His career average would be 244, and again, he's... Even with runners on base, he's been one of their best hitters. And uh, his home runs as well, He, I think he's got seven now in the season, which is uh, pretty good. I mean, I just, you know, nobody really saw this coming when he, you know, when he was originally signed, he was more of a, obviously, a depth signing. It, was, it doesn't take a genius to figure that one out. So I don't think the expectations were overly high either once he was eventually recalled. But, you know, he's been forcing the Jays' hand to, you know, have him in the lineup what almost every day now and he's been DHing a little bit too so he's been pretty much used throughout um you know he's been used by Charlie Montoyo quite effectively and even yesterday he had a great game himself I saw he finished uh I think it was a triple uh, shy of the cycle I remember he was all over the place yesterday as well so he's been uh he's been relatively impressive and you know I guess you you can't blame the nerd power you gotta you know um you, you gotta have his respect a little bit I mean clearly he's one of the best players on the team this season and, you know, the more he plays, it'd be interesting to see what the Jays can get for him. I'm sure they're going to test his market and see what... Obviously, they're not going to get anybody, you know, like a, a high-end prospect. But maybe if they can get a, you know, a mid-to-lower-end prospect, it wouldn't be a bad thing e- either. But that's another discussion for probably about another, you know, couple weeks to a month. As we get closer to the trade deadline, he'd probably be, he'd probably be involved in a trade at the deadline. Probably wouldn't be anything before that. But uh, I can't believe... Uh, what we've seen from him, you know, despite, you know, the Jays' record this season, there hasn't been, it hasn't been fun, obviously, fun baseball. I, I know we, uh, Vladdy's been up for a few months now. And aside from Vladdy, you know, he's, Sogard's one of the standout players so far. Yeah, definitely. He's certainly one of the best players on the team. And right now, he's kind of reminding me of Freddie Galvis, how Galvis was playing at the beginning of the season and, and kind of surprising everybody. But ultimately, Galvis cooled off. I think he hit the injured list a bit. Um, but, you know, with Sogard, we haven't seen that kind of drop-off yet. Obviously, he's not hitting like the 415 like he did in the first 10 games in the majors. But we haven't seen a dramatic drop-off, and he's still hitting way above his career average. And, and, you know, just putting some of the things he said into context, um, he has nine years in the majors, which totals 631 games. But this season, one year, 47 games, he already has seven home runs. He has a career 18 home runs. So coming into the season, he had 11 home runs, and he just upped it to 18 over a matter of 45 games. Um, that much is is kind of outrageous. Uh, also, he has a 1.4 WAR this season. He has a 6.2 WAR in his career total. So he's already you know upping his career numbers in just a matter of a few games. So you know if he keeps playing at this pace, his highest career WAR for a single season is 1.9. He did it twice. He did it in 2013 with the uh, the Athletics, and then 2017 with the Brewers. And he's already at 1.4, and it's only halfway through the season, and he didn't play for the first part of the season. So, you know, if he continues at this pace, he'll have the best season of his career by far. Now, it's another question whether he will continue at this pace. We've seen him 
hit this well for a long time, and long time being 47 games, but that doesn't mean it's going to continue indefinitely. You know, he just had a three-hit game last night, as you mentioned. He was a triple shy of the cycle, and he, he kind of carried the Blue Jays in some regard and at least kept the game tied before that walk-off home run. So, uh, but before... Before that, um, he, you know, he hadn't had an extra base hit for a few games, so we may be seeing him slow down a bit. But certainly, uh, his average is staying up there. It's very exciting. Now, you mentioned the prospects of trading him, and uh, especially now as we near the trade deadline, he's becoming a very valuable trade chip for the Blue Jays, given that they spent next to nothing to get him. Now he's worth 1.4 WAR, and they can get a prospect for him long term. Uh, what do you, how? aggressively do you think the Blue Jays will try to trade him? Because, you know, he, he seems like a good clubhouse guy, but he's not really worth anything to the Blue Jays past this season, or even in this season, because the Blue Jays aren't trying to win this season. You know, he's 33 years old. He's a free agent next after the end of next season. So, um, you, you know, are the Blue Jays really eager to trade him, or do you think they would be fine, you know, holding on to him this year? Yeah, I don't think uh, it's going to be an aggressive move for the Jays to possibly, you know, explore options for him or explore trades. Um, you know, they probably one of their best chips, uh, trade chips the Jays have right now would probably would, you know, be Ken Giles, uh, maybe Smoke as well, and obviously Marcus Stroman. So I think, you know, there's a few names ahead of him on uh, the Jays list for trades to explore. And I do think, again, you, you said, right, he's not going to get, he won't get you the best return. Uh, he might get you, what, like a middle to lower end prospect. But, you know, with uh, players such as Giles and Stroman, who have been relatively well this season, been playing well this season, and Smoke, probably try and get rid of him as well, even though they even possibly could hold on to him with an expiring contract. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, but my expectation is they don't actively shop him, or maybe if they, you know, if they deal players ahead of him, like I said, Stroman or Giles, maybe they'll start to focus on him a little bit more. But right now, I think it'd be kind of more like a slow and you know, casual kind of movement or attempt to try and trade him, but I don't think it'll be like an aggressive, um, like an aggressive, um, you know, a strategy for them to, you know, get rid of him. And I think the, uh, the front office is also smart enough to know that even if they do get managed to trade him, I don't think they expect, you know, anything great in return. Um, you know, maybe something small and I'm sure that, you know, they're well prepared for that as well, which is why they're not, you know, he's not probably on their, their first list of priorities, but I'm sure he's there somewhere. Yeah, that, that's a good point. The Blue Jays' first priority is to trade their most valuable pieces, which, um, you know, as as valuable as Sogard is, um, teams will view, you know, Marcus Stroman under contract until 2021, Aaron Sanchez, the same with him. And they'll probably view those young pitchers and Ken Giles and even Justin Smoke, like you mentioned, teams will view them as more valuable pieces than Sogard, just because they have the consistency of being good, not so much with Sanchez with the injuries, but um, especially Stroman and Giles, they have the consistency, they have the history, the track record, um, and they're also, you know, to be fair, uh, Giles and Stroman probably a little bit more uh, <clears throat> worthwhile in terms of trading um, than Sogard, and you know, we've seen teams around the league, like the Yankees, um, they really need pitching. So in that sense, um, Stroman is more valuable than Sogard, who's just, you know, a utility man, a second baseman, shortstop, third baseman, that kind of thing. Um, 
I, you did touch on what the Blue Jays' possible return for Sogard is. I want to bring up Edwin Encarnacion because I find him interesting. The Seattle Mariners just traded former Blue Jay Encarnacion to the Yankees. And in return, they got a prospect, a pitcher named Julian uh, or Juan then, I think his name is. Um, and he ranked in the Yank, uh, in the Mariners system 27th overall, I believe it was. And he's probably going to figure around the same position in the Yankees system. But, you know, you look at Encarnacion, who's league leading the league in home runs. He has 21 or 22 at this point. And, uh, to get a guy, you know, who haven't, hasn't even broken above single A in exchange for this, you know, major league player. Yes, he's 36, but he also is leading the league in home runs. Um, and he has a good war and he's been semi-healthy and he's not that too much of a cancer in the, uh, defensively in the field. So to look at the kind of return that they got, for Encarnacion compared to the return that, you know, someone like Eric Sogard will get, it definitely puts it into context that you can't expect so much for someone like Sogard. Uh, but that's not to say it's totally unreasonable that the Blue Jays will get something good. Um, and uh, I think regardless, we can be happy, you know, that the Blue Jays spent nothing and will get some type of positive return on their investment here. Yeah, the uh, Edwin Encarnacion trade, uh, that was, yeah, again, that was very interesting. Um, but you know, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt this year, right? After a couple down years, I would say in Cleveland, you know, he didn't play awful, but he wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't what we saw, uh, in his years with the Jays with the amount of home runs he was hitting. So he kind of had a, you know, a bounce back year this year to start the season with Seattle. And, uh, when he was acquired, I do remember seeing a bunch of, uh, reports that they were actually, actually wanting to trade him before the season began. So it was kind of something on the Mar- uh, the Mariners priority list. But yeah, uh, like you said, Edwin's leading the AL. He's actually got 23 home runs, which is crazy. And he's going to be spending uh, the second half of the season uh, at Yankee Stadium for majority of the time, which is also pretty scary for that Yankee team. So when it comes to even him get not getting that much of a return, I guess you could, as in a relation to a Sogar deal, you can understand that, you know, it, again, it's probably going to be a lower-level prospect if you're lucky and if he, and if he has a, a market. And if not, then, you know maybe who's to say you know what's the point and maybe they just hold on to him for the year or maybe the Jays just add another you know piece to their farm system it's I guess it's kind of a self-judgment call uh depending on you know again how strong his market is and if the if if they even uh, get any offers to be fair there are examples of trades on the other side of the spectrum like you know the Blue Jays traded Joe Smith for Thomas Pannone and uh, another prospect whose name is escaping my mind but they were top prospects in Cleveland system so um, and Joe Smith was just a reliever he's an older reliever who was having a good season so um, you can see the kind of comparisons on both sides but I think overall people shouldn't be expecting anything amazing from Eric Sogard in terms of uh, trade prospects. But that not that's not to minimize what they have. And certainly, you know, he is under contract till 2020. So it's not like if they don't trade him this season, they lose all value for him. They get him next year, and they can trade him next year as a rental to a team um, and, and get something in return then, of course, if he's doing as well as he is this season. Uh, so that pretty much wraps all our talk about Eric Sogard up. Uh, the next thing we want to touch on is the Montreal baseball rumors. Uh, I'm sure everyone's heard about it, but just to, you know, set the stage. Basically, uh, I believe it was yesterday, the news broke that MLB is allowing the Rays and, and Tampa Bay to explore the possibility of splitting their home games between St. Petersburg, where they play now, and 
Montreal. Now, obviously, we've heard rumors about teams going back to Montreal uh, since, you know, pretty much since they left, 2004, their last season being there. Uh, But we haven't heard anything like this about a team splitting their time between two cities and two cities that aren't even close. They're, you know, halfway across the continent. Uh, So uh, there are a lot of concerns and a lot of different reactions about this news. But Bryson, I just want to get your reaction before we jump into it. Yeah, this was um, this was unexpected for you know me to see yesterday. I, I don't really know how I feel about it. You know, if I had to choose on what I like, I'd probably lean against it. As much as I you know I want to see Montreal get another chance, it'd be cool to see them back. I just don't know how it's going to work out uh, for both teams. Um, again, like you said, how far away they are from each other, and then I think I I read that they wanted to. Uh, so the plan was to play early season games in Tampa or whatever, St. Petersburg, and finish the season in Montreal. So uh, they would have to move, what, kind of midway through the season. They'd have to, uh, you know, again, like spend one season in two different cities. I don't, again, I, I really don't know how I feel about it, but it does bring a lot of questions. You know, what what, what would their name be called? Um, when would this exactly happen? You know, is it even, is it highly possible that it would happen? But it's, it's, I guess it's cool to see Montreal closer maybe to getting another chance. And another thing that I thought about, um, maybe it's also kind of a, you know, a move that Major League Baseball made to see, you know, maybe it's a, to see, you know, who can get a new stadium first. Maybe it's trying to, maybe they're trying to get Tampa Bay to really explore, maybe, um, you know, increase their, I don't know, like their, uh, their chances or their, you know, how they want to get a new stadium. Uh, we know where they play, Tropicana Field. We know how uh, it's not one of the best stadiums. It's probably one of the worst stadiums in the league. But, again, maybe it's for the first team to get a new stadium, uh, even though I think I saw that the Rays were at least at Tropicana Field until, like, 2048. So there's, it's going to take some time for Tampa to possibly get a new stadium. But I think if Montreal really would want to put a lot of pressure on the Rays, I think they really need to uh, look into getting a new stadium before they actually you know, there's a chance that they get a whole team to themselves. But it's just a weird strategy or a weird, you know, proposal that we've seen, something that we've really never seen before, like you said. So as much as I want to see baseball return in uh, Montreal, I just don't think uh, – I'm not a personally fan of the good idea of the idea, but, you know, maybe there's also some – you know, maybe there's also some ways that this can actually work out. Um, maybe, you know, maybe this does work out. Maybe Montreal – like, it, you know, there's just so many questions and there's so many outcomes that can happen, but – uh, if I had to lean on one side, I'd probably lean against it. And the other thing I was thinking too is, you know, maybe the impact they would have uh, towards the the Jays actually. You know, this this would uh, this would definitely impact the Jays if Montreal ever came back, or even if they came back for what the half the season, just to see. You know, the Jays have been holding the the title of Canada's team um, for quite a bit, even though when they last won the World Series, you know, the uh, in '93 the Expos were still around, but we saw you know how much of an impact. Or you know how much of a, uh, a huge title that is to be Canada's team only. We you know an example would be obviously the Raptors. We saw the all the fan support behind the entire country. Where it's you know it's different um, from sports like hockey when there's multiple Canadian teams, and you know obviously it's just one specific region that's rooting for the team. So the Jays would probably be lose a lot as well if this would ever happen. But that's obviously another topic for another time. I just thought about it. Um, you know, again, how much the Jays would really benefit or, you know, how much it would hurt them. But uh, a definitely a different, 
uh, strategy, and I'd like to see where this goes from here. You're a lot more on the fence about this than I am. Um, I think it's a bizarre idea. And, you know, when I first saw the headline, I was like, huh, that's interesting. Sounds cool. Sounds like it could be a good thing. You know, more baseball in Canada, baseball back to Montreal. Um, And in terms of relations to the Blue Jays, um, I think it'd be a really interesting dynamic. And I would love it. Uh, But when I got to thinking about it more and reading more about it, it just got more and more absurd and more and more, uh, frankly, stupid. Uh, Because, you know, I... This is just a headline from The Ringer. Uh, They wrote, Say hello to the X-rays. MLB's Tampa Bay-Montreal split is a bold, nonsensical idea. And that pretty much sums up what I think. First of all, um, one of the big problems is in the ESPN article, they mentioned that the, the plan would be to build... Two new stadiums, one in Montreal, one in Tampa Bay or St. Petersburg, as you mentioned, um, and then have them split the time in between it. So let's say, you know, you have 41 games in St. Petersburg or Tampa Bay, and you have 41 games in Montreal. But when they're playing 82 games in St. Petersburg, they can't get the city to approve a new stadium. They can't personally find funding, so they're trying to get the funding from the city and from the state, but they're not getting the funding from the city or the state. They're under contract at uh, uh, at, at Tropicana Field until 2027, and the city is not letting them out of that. They've been negotiating for years to get out of it and to get a new stadium uh, approved, but they haven't been able to do it. Um, and, you know, part of the plan was, um, they had uh, blueprints drawn up for a, a stadium in the Tampa Bay area uh, that would cost $900 million. But they said, you know, if they were only playing half the season's games there, um, they wouldn't have to make it like a convertible stadium. They could just have it open-roofed, um, and it would minimize the cost down to $600 million or something like that. But they're still, they can't get the city to approve one stadium. So why would they be able... Why, why, if you're splitting the games between two places, having the amount of games and having the amount of income from the stadium, why would they build it now plus a whole nother stadium across the continent? It just seems like bizarre like that. And on top of that, there's a whole bunch of other issues. Um, you know, the, from this Ringer um, article, again, um, they say, a raised timeshare is a very bad idea and will not happen. First, and most importantly, the raised lease of Tropicana Field runs through 2027, and the city of St. Petersburg, which owns the facility, won't let the raise break the lease, as I was saying. It goes on and on about the mayor and the relationship between the city and the, the team. <clears throat> um, then they talk about more with uh, the, the MLB Players Association and having players have to have two homes and they have to, you know, they're going to have to decide where they want their family to live and where they want to put their kids in school. And then on top of that, uh, if you're like signing players uh, to, to contracts uh, and having, you know, people in the front office and having, you know, travel arrangements between countries and uh, just imagine all the red tape you have to go through, uh, all the... Uh, issues that would have to be resolved. Um, they write, um, but just for the sake of argument, let's consider the additional obstacles to a time-sharing agreement. Uh, this just isn't just a two-city arrangement. It's a two-country arrangement. If MLB wanted to, a team to split time between Tampa and, St. Petersburg, or even Chicago and Milwaukee, that'd be one thing. A part-time residency in Montreal would require miles of red tape for club employees. Any 
multi-city proposal would therefore be met with pushback from the MLB Players Association. Players would have to maintain two homes. Some MLB players already do, and indeed many living in the Tampa Bay area in the offseason, but it'd still be a huge cost in money and aggravation for whoever's unfortunate enough to land on the Franken race. It's just, from beginning to end, it seems like there are so many issues with this idea before it even gets off the ground, you know, and it's not going to happen until 2023 or beyond because that's the time frame that MLB gave the race. It just seems there are so many loopholes to jump through. It, and it, it just seems like such an overcomplication. Um, it seems that to me personally, this, obviously this is all just my opinion and I'm totally ranting here, uh, but it just seems like doomed from the beginning. The thing with the Rays, too, yeah, you have to feel bad for them, or at least some of their players this year, too. You know, they're, um, what, contenders for the AL East and the wild card, um, a wild card spot, sorry. And I think it was, what, a few weeks ago or even about a month ago when the Jays were there. One of their games had one of the, like, the lowest attendance numbers ever. It was way below 10,000. And to see that, you know, to see that support for a team that's contending for the playoffs, it's strictly embarrassing for the league. And I don't blame... Um, I, you know what it is you know it's a lot of people's faults but you know the the whole idea or the whole purpose of this maybe again maybe it's just trying to budge Tampa to finally make priorities and build a new stadium and the other thing I could think of is with the uh, with Major League Baseball accepting this proposal or looking into it what more whatever however however you want to say it uh clearly they're you know questioning the ability of Tampa ever even getting a new stadium uh, maybe they have no faith in them even doing it. You know, and maybe another team in a similar situation with stadium problems would be, you know, Oakland. I just thought about that. Um, you know, their stadium with Oakland Coliseum, uh, not the best stadium. First of all, it's sharing a stadium with an NFL team for another year. But, you know, the building itself, it's another awful baseball park to play in. But it seems that, you know, Major League Baseball would be more confident in maybe Oakland getting a stadium. Obviously, they're left out of that. But clearly, you know, Major League Baseball isn't confident with this. Clearly, they have no faith in Tampa or anything like that if to get a new stadium. And I think maybe they're trying to use this move to bulge them a little bit more to see which city would act first on getting a new stadium. Because if Montreal gets, you know, if Montreal gets a whole a new stadium, uh, then, you know, the possibility of this is pretty high. And I really hope it doesn't happen. Like I said, um, I'm trying to think of ways of how this would benefit you know, the idea of moving for players to move halfway through the season, I just think is ridiculous. Uh, you know, they're already moving from spring training for a month uh, to wherever they play for the season, even though I guess Tampa would be close because of spring trainings in Florida for the Grapefruit League. But uh, Tampa's really got to figure this out. They really got to start thinking about it. You know, priority A would probably be having a stadium in Tampa, actually, rather than St. Petersburg for better turnout. And the whole... You know, the, you, what they really need to do, and everybody knows this, is they really got to get out of Tropicana Field. And unfortunately, like you said, they're trapped there until, um, you know, for quite this, you know, this, uh, the future. And it's not looking good, but uh, the idea, the whole idea of this is really, it's, it's bizarre, like you said. And, you know, I'm trying to find ways to think of how this would work out, but I really can't. I, I see more of cons than I see of pros. 
Yeah, and if you wanted to look at the pros of this situation, I guess you could consider the fact that, um, you know, looking at Montreal, it seems like a city that wants a team. And when the team failed in 2004, um, and, and obviously the legacy of failing financials was set up after that 1994 season where they almost made the postseason, or they would have made the postseason if there wasn't the strike. Um, if you look at the reason why they failed, um, you, you know, you can attribute it to the fact that there wasn't revenue sharing in baseball to the extent that we have it today. And that's one of the reasons why the Rays are still around probably because they have those revenue sharing systems built into Major League Baseball um, so that teams that aren't doing as well, that don't have um, as high a, a draw can still stick around and survive well, you know, the New York Yankees and the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Boston Red Sox still exist with all that money they have. Also, to consider uh, is the fact that, you know, if you cut half the, the games out of the Tampa Bay area, I guess, you consolidate all the fans into half the games, so you theoretically might double the audience that you get, I guess. Um, but, you know, like, the Rays are drawing, uh, I just looked it up, they're drawing 14,545 fans per game. That's 29th in Major League Baseball, and, you know, some college teams draw better than that, uh, and certainly, like, college football teams draw better than that. So, if, I don't know, it's just, to me, I... When I saw the idea, it sounded fun. It sounded interesting, but this is not the solution. There are, as you mentioned, building a new stadium, privately funded a new stadium in the Tampa Bay area, in the city, um, and, and you know, fostering a good environment there and building up the team there, or you know, just totally moving this team to Montreal. And there's, you know, they just released blueprints for a new stadium in Montreal in the downtown area. And there's funding from Stephen Bronfman, uh, Bronfman, who wants to buy the team and become a, a minority owner in the Rays, so we can move it. That plan works. The plan to build a new stadium in Tampa Bay works, but to do both. It just doesn't. It just doesn't go together, and it doesn't work. All right. Well, uh, past all my ranting, uh, we can get to the last subject that we want to talk about today, which is the actual Blue Jays. Instead of talking about theoretical teams, we'll talk about the Blue Jays for a little bit. Um, mainly how they've been doing lately, and obviously their win loss record doesn't reflect any changes. You know, they're twenty seven forty eight right now, I believe. Um, you, you know, they just had a good win last night, but that was on top of three straight losses to Los Angeles Angels and losses before that. Uh, so obviously it's not going smoothly. We, we expected them to be bad this season. They've been bad. Uh, they had two losses against the Astros, uh, Two wins against the Orioles, finally a series win, but then they were swept by the Diamondbacks. Um, two wins against the Yankees, surprisingly. Two wins against two losses against the Rockies. Overall, it it has not been good. But looking past that, looking at the individual performance of players, we talked about Eric Sogard. On top of that, there are plenty of players who seem to be finally coming around and finally, you know, getting used to their surroundings, getting used to where the team is, getting used to what their role with the team is, getting used to the majors to begin with, if we look at rookies. <clears throat> and it's making, for me at least, Blue Jays baseball a lot more enjoyable to watch just in the past week or so. I'm talking about, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., obviously. He came up, he hit a little bit of a dry spell once he came up, but, you know, consistently since then, he's been hitting better and better each month. Looking at Lourdes Goriel Jr., since he came up, um, you know, we all see the tweets from the Blue Jays account, you know, uh, 
being massive fans of him, and that's because since he has come back up from the minors, he has been an entirely new player. Offensively, he's amazing. Defensively, he looks good in the outfield. He's made a handful of really good throws from where he's playing in the outfield. Um, looking past that, you know, you got other young players, Danny Jansen, uh, Kevin Biggio, especially Kevin Biggio. You know, he had tons of patience and he still has tons of patience, but that patience is finally paying off in the terms of hits and home runs. He already had, he had two multi home run games in the matter of one week. So, um, you, you know, you see all these players who are doing so much better and um, even if the the team record doesn't reflect it. I think it's a lot more enjoyable now to watch Blue Jays baseball than it was even one or two weeks ago, simply because of these individual players doing better. Again, some of the individual performances, like you said, that we've seen, um, it's definitely keeping my interest up as well. Um, yeah, you went through a handful of people. Uh, I'm very impressed again with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Like you said, he's been hitting over 300 since he was called up. Um, we know that you know in his final couple weeks in Buffalo, the Jays wanted to do you know, move him around different positions, uh, move him to uh, a utility player. Like you said, he can play. Now he's playing the outfield. Uh, you know, he can still play the infield, obviously, but he seems to be more or better in the outfield than he was in the infield. Obviously, his performance in the infield was one of the reasons why he was originally sent down. Um, again, uh, Vladdy seems to be you know playing a little better. Like you said, the cold spell, and now he's starting to. Um, you know, perform like we've seen. So um, his numbers are down because of the cold spell. But um, again, I think patience is what we need to have as well with uh, Kevin Biggio. Like you said, he's another one who um, started off slow, but he seems to be starting a trend in in the right direction. He's still obviously um, figuring out as well in the major leagues. Um, Ken Giles as well. We brought him up earlier uh, in the episode. Uh, he's got an ERA just above one. It's at 104, and he's played in 26 games. And the great great thing is uh, he had a little bit of an injury scare, or he was on the injury list uh, last week. That's kind of a, That was almost a scare for the Jays in terms of um, the possibility of trading him. But he seems to be okay. He, uh, he hit 97 miles per hour uh, yesterday with his fastball, which is definitely promising. Uh, we're, we've seen Jordan Romano as well. Um, he was recently called up. He's only appeared in three games. Uh, you know, he we he was supposed he was a Rule Five pick for the Rangers. Uh, didn't make the team, so he, uh, he was sent back to the Jays. But you know, he's also somebody to look at. Uh, give him some patience as well to see how he performs. He's only, again, he's only appeared in three games. Um, another young player would be Trent Thornton. He's kind of up and down. He's figuring things out. Um, Still hasn't pitched the greatest this season, but his ERA is just above four and a half. Or sorry, uh, four four thirty. So he's he's still figuring things out. Maybe there's more upside with him, you know, even throughout the next couple of seasons. Um, Marcus Stroman, we know how he's done. He's he's pitched. Uh, he's had a pretty good, solid season, I, I would suppose. Uh, three twenty three ERA. Unfortunately, it looks like he's going to get traded as well. Um, a disappointment of mine, though, would definitely be. Aaron Sanchez, uh, he's got an ERA, you know, just below five and a half, but uh, he's kind of been a mess all season with some, you know, a few, we've discussed it earlier, a few fingernail issues, a few blister issues, or some scares. He hasn't missed any starts yet, but yeah, uh, he's obviously not pitching well, and his value doesn't look like uh, he, the Jays will entertain any offers for him. So yeah, um, you know, the Jays have been, you know, we, we know how bad they are. We know that, you know, they're on track or on pace to lose close to 100 games. Uh, but this is, you know, this is um, part of the painful parts of a rebuild. And, you know, they're in a heavy rebuild, as we know. And 
with some of these youngsters that we've we've been mentioning, uh, there's a ton of upside and the future looks bright. You know, a lot of people have said it. A lot of different players have said it. Uh, but it's going to take some time for a heavy rebuild. We've discussed it many times of their current state. So obviously this team had no expectations. Maybe, you know, maybe the Raptors playoff run helped them a little bit just because, you know, attention was all on them and less on the Jays. But, you know, with summer and now uh, basketball's over, hockey's over, you know, baseball right now is the only sport on uh, besides obviously what, like the minor leagues, like, or not major leagues, like, uh, like the CFL or MLS. So the Jays could be the attention, you know, people know what they're getting out of them. Uh, there's no expectations, but this is part of a rebuild. And within the next couple of years, you know, uh, things have to get better. You know, um, we've been going through this for a couple of years now and uh, the future looks great. And with these players continuing to develop at the major league level, you know, we're going to see more players up on the rise soon, you know, um, such as Bo Bichette. He's been lighting up AAA since he came back from injury. So hopefully we get to see him up at some point this year, maybe even later in the season. But uh, like you said, these individual performances are, make, are still making it somewhat watchable. Obviously, the team's record we don't want to bring up just because it's it's bad. But again, individual performances. Uh, some people are pe- sorry. Some people are performing well, and we'll just see where it goes. You know, even past the trade deadline to see what team, you know, what who's on the team for the rest of the season. Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes and who's traded and who's not. Um, one thing I want to ask you, you kind of brought it up there um, with the the Raptors. You know, all attention has been on the Raptors and that, you know, partly benefited the Blue Jays because no one was watching them lose. Um, but I want to ask you how you're dealing with the Blue Jays losing because um, I personally, I think with the Blue Jays not doing well, I just pay attention less and people can probably tell from, you know, the quality of my posts on Instagram and the frequency of my posts on Instagram um, that, you know, a few weeks ago, I was not posting consistently because I just didn't really care about the Blue Jays, honestly, because they weren't doing well. And it was, um, you know, tough to, to stay in it and watch every game. Um, but recently, you know, focusing on individual performances and, and rookies and, um, you know, I, I guess partly seeing the Raptors success kind of got me excited for sports again and excited for what the Blue Jays can do over the, you know, within five years. Um but I, I, how are you dealing? Are you still very invested in each game and each transaction? I'm going to be honest with you, and it's okay for everybody else to be honest. And, you know, it's hard. Um, it's really hard to be as invested as anybody was uh, during the playoff runs. But, you know, if, if they're on, and, you know, since the Raptors are done, uh, the Leafs have been done for quite some time, um, I, I get, I'll, I'll tune in. Um, you know, I have obviously everyone loves the team, despite what people think of the front office and what people think of certain players or so and so. Um, you know, I still support the team. I still watch the team. I may not watch it, you know, every day, but I mean, I think I have a pretty good excuse for the past few months. Um, like we said with uh, the Raptors, but uh, you know, now with summer here, uh, you know, school's almost done for everybody, or you know, it's already done for some people. Uh, you know, why not watch them a few times? And, you know, if, if the game goes to 5 nothing in the third inning, then, you know, uh, I'll turn it off. Um, but, you know, if it's a competitive game, it also depends on who they're playing as well. 
So, you know, seeing, I guess it was cool to see the Angels the past few days, even Mike Trout. Mike Trout uh, pretty much absolutely destroyed them single-handedly. Uh, you know, he had grand slams, he had multiple home runs. So it definitely depends on the opponent. Um, you know, if they're playing Baltimore, obviously no one's going to be as invested. You know, if the Yankees are in town, if the Red Sox are in town, you know, the big names like that. Uh, it's definitely still cool to watch other teams play in other, in other baseball. But I think it's okay for people not to not be invested, you know, it's it's not, you know, it's not a sin and it's okay to admit that, you know, this team is just sometimes it's unwatchable and um but the thing is though for people to, you know, some people um still have expectations for this team to win, you know, how people are calling the team out so and so, you know, obviously they don't want to get their, you know, their rear ends handed to them every night, but um you know, I think a lot of fans also need to or, you know, a portion of fans need to calm down and, you know, realize reality that this team simply isn't good. Um, but, again, the future looks bright for them. I guess we just have to see it to believe it. But uh, that interest is definitely down in the city, but it's okay to still watch it. You know, I still watch it quite a bit, but I'm not, um, like I said, I'll probably get back into it for the summer just because it's on. But, you know, the past few weeks and, you know, a month has definitely been a little harder. I'd say at the core of it, it's entertainment. And if someone's not finding it entertaining because the Blue Jays aren't doing well, then don't watch it. It's not a sin. It's not a responsibility to watch it. But, um, yeah, I'd say after taking, you know, after I'd say about a month not being too invested in it, you know, just coming back to it and watching games. And, like, last night, I know the Blue Jays won, and it was an exciting win, which doesn't really happen all the time. But, you know, I found myself, I think it was the seventh inning, uh, or maybe it was the bottom of the eighth. It was tied up. Blue Jays had runners on. And I was, you know, considering just, like, switching to, to watch a TV show, and I was I was invested in the game, which was, like, the first time in a while that I had that experience and that, you know, excitement about what was going to happen in the game um so i'd say yeah just taking a break and and you know just getting a little bit refreshed from it um definitely definitely helped me yeah i got really invested last night too when we saw uh Kawhi leonard come into the building that was pretty cool to see you know you see <laughs> yeah. an unexpected roar from the crowd and even clayton richard was you know after the game he, he was asking you know if that was for him it was only an 0-2 count he just threw a pitch <laughs> but yeah that was definitely cool to see uh, and see Kawhi Leonard check out um, some of the game, but yeah, that I'm not gonna lie. Yes, last night's game that got me totally invested. That moment right there, definitely. Well, I think we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you for everyone who tuned in to this episode, and hopefully, we'll be uh, coming out over the next few weeks with a little bit more regularity than we have over the past few months, as we just mentioned. Both of us have not been that invested. Uh, But thank you for listening. Again, um, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate our podcast and subscribe to it wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend if you could. Thanks for listening.